The greatest degree of inner tranquility comes from the development of love and compassion. The more we care for the happiness of others, the greater is our own sense of well-being. Tenzin Gyatso Welcome to Self-Talk. I'm Rachel Astarte. Today I'd like to talk about depression. We talked in the last episode about anxiety, so it seems a natural progression to talk about depression as well. Now, we've all had the experience of being depressed, being down, and that's one thing. But there's also clinical depression, or what is called major depressive disorder. That is when you have been diagnosed, and there are very strict criteria for you to be diagnosed with major depressive disorder. Primarily, it's a depression that comes not from being in grief over the loss of someone, perhaps the death of a person close to you, and it's not something that is caused by having a medical condition. One of the most important elements of being diagnosed with major depressive disorder is that at least five of the following symptoms I'm about to read need to be sustained for a two-week period. There is that feeling of sadness, feeling low, just feeling down. Perhaps you feel empty inside or hopeless. You may have angry outbursts. You may find yourself raging for no reason. Sometimes it's over nothing at all, or something very small sets you off. Then there's anhedonia, which is a loss of interest in the things that you usually find compelling or joyful. The hobbies that you enjoy, hanging out with friends, perhaps sex, or other activities that generally give you a sense of happiness. There may be sleep disturbances. That means either you are sleeping too much or sleeping too little. Lack of energy, just feeling very sluggish. Reduced appetite or increased appetite. Having anxiety or agitation. Feeling restless. You may have memory loss or slowed thinking. Feelings of worthlessness or even guilty feelings. Focusing on the past and not allowing yourself to get out of that loop. Perhaps there are suicidal thoughts, maybe even some physical manifestations of your depression, aching parts of your body that you haven't injured previously. So these are some of the symptoms of major depressive disorder, and you have to meet at least five of those symptoms for a sustained two-week period. And all of these symptoms and this, this experience of depression will impair your relationships with other people, and certainly your daily life, for example, your work life, your social life, going to school, whatever it is. Now, if you've been diagnosed, there are treatments, and those treatments usually involve psychotherapy, perhaps antidepressants if necessary, or a combination of the two. There are other medical treatments, such as TMS, which is transcranial magnetic stimulation, electroconvulsive therapy, ECT, in the past, I've gotten into a little bit of trouble about cavalierly discussing depression and how to work with depression. I certainly am a proponent of using antidepressants. If they help you, wonderful. If they help you temporarily so that you can take the edge off of the depression so that you can work alternately with other modalities, whether that's spiritual healing, psychological healing, mindfulness, yoga, meditation, all those things, that's great. So I want to make it very clear that 
there are many different kinds of depression. But one thing is true, is that none of it feels good. So you may not meet all the criteria to be clinically depressed, but it's still painful. Conversely, for example, in my own experience, there have been periods of my life where if I had gone to a psychiatrist and explained my symptoms, of which I had about seven of that list, I would have been diagnosed with major depressive disorder. But because I did not go, I simply was not diagnosed. And I worked on other methods of moving through my depression. So it can work in either way. What's important to note here is what depression is what it does to your body, and what you can do about it. How can you be active in your own healing? So depression affects the brain by the brain releasing cortisol, the stress hormone. When too much of that cortisol is released, it begins to affect the way that your neurons fire. That's a very simple way to describe it. So for example, some of the memory loss may have something to do with a high level of, of cortisol. Cortisol in your system also causes inflammation. Inflammation puts you at risk for other diseases. It's a terribly vicious cycle. And so that's why a lot of those feelings of helplessness or hopelessness come through depression, because literally your brain is giving you those signals. And it's not your fault. That's important to note. Something else I'd like to talk about is there is also what's called treatment-resistant depression. That means you've tried everything that the medical industry has for you. You've had psychotherapy, you've had antidepressants, and it still isn't working and you're still down and you feel even more hopeless. So that means it's time to look at other alternatives. I present a few of these alternatives or a different way of looking at depression in the hope that it may help you in some way, if only for the length of listening to this podcast. And you can choose to apply these to your life and to your depression, should you be moving through depression right now or not. But here they are. One of the things to look at about depression is that it is part of our self-regulating system. Depression is actually a warning sign that something is off. When we look at it this way, when we look at our entire being as a self-regulating system, depression then becomes a positive because it's alerting us to the fact that something isn't right. I'll give you an example of how that works. So you're in a depression, and the depression is telling you that you're worthless, that everything's hopeless, there's no way out, it's a downward spiral. Now, in psychology, we call that ego dystonic. That means that the ego, or another word for the self, the conscious self, is feeling that this is not a good way to be. Your self-concept is not in alignment with what it should be. When you're going through a depression and you're being told, nope, nope, this is bad, this isn't good, you're not good, all of this is worthless, that necessarily implies its opposite. In other words, that there is a better way to be. And that's why I refer to it as a positive, because it is letting us know, just like a fever lets us know of an infection, it's letting us know that something is off in our system. It is trying to let us know that we need help. We need to fix this beautiful being that we are. And why do we even say that we're a beautiful being? Because whatever we're going through is definitely not what we are meant to be. If we were, there would be no need for depression because we would feel 
centered, and balanced. Trust your system. That's the first step. How do we move from this feeling of depression to not being depressed anymore? Begin to trust your system. See depression as a beacon in the dark, letting you know, hey, something's wrong. Trust your system. Give it thanks. And remember that your cortisol levels are part of what is causing the downward spiral of thought, that you are having a hormonal imbalance that is literally depressing the firings of your neurons. So that's not your fault. In terms of practical steps, listen to what you need. Listen to what your body needs. And how do you do that? In the last episode, we talked about the grounding breath meditation. This is the exact same pill you will swallow when you're in depression, or for that matter, in any other negative emotional state. Put your feet on the ground, feel them, take a deep breath in through your nose as much as you can inhale, hold for three counts, three seconds, and exhale as far as you can exhale out. And you do this about three times. Check in with your body. Where are you feeling what you're feeling? Where is the depression? What parts of your body are lighting up? Is it in your chest? Is it in your throat? Is it in your deep belly? Is it in the center, in your solar plexus? Where are you feeling the depression? And sit with it. You can name it. You can say something like, I feel depression moving through me, or you can say, I love myself even though I'm going through depression right now, or you can say, welcome to the depression. Let it rest and resonate within you and be seen, like a child having a nightmare that's pulling on your pant leg and wants your attention because it's afraid. You don't have to fix it, just acknowledge it. Take another deep breath in through your nose, hold for three seconds out through your mouth, and only when you're ready, when that feeling has dissipated, you can open your eyes. That exercise is being in the present moment and not being afraid of it. That's really important. Listening to what your body needs. You may get a conscious prompt about what you need. For example, I need to go see a therapist. You may also have unconscious prompts, such as, I'm exhausted, I need to go to bed, and I need to sleep. The next step is to eliminate the shoulds. Here's what happens when we listen to our bodies and our minds are telling us something else. I don't feel well. I feel down. I feel the need to cocoon, hibernate, get into my comfy bed and pull the covers around me and sleep. That's what I'm being called to do. My mind then says, you shouldn't be doing that. You should be out in the world. You should be reading a book. You should be taking a walk. You should be calling your friends. You should be at work. So now you have a battle going on within you, that your body knows what it needs and your mind is telling it to do something else. That's the ego. So now you can't get the rest you need because you're constantly berating yourself. I'll give you an example in the other direction. In society, if you work in a nine-to-five-ish job, typically the corporation you work for will give you two to three weeks vacation time a year. You know that. It's factored in. So you already know that you have two to three weeks during the year that are going to be just for you to rejuvenate. Whether you 
need it or not. You're going to assume you need it because doesn't everybody. But you're not listening to your body saying what you need. You're listening to the contract that you signed in order to have your full-time job. Now, so many of us live in that kind of a world where you have a set amount of time that you are free to do with as you will. It's all endorsed. Everything's okay. So we make peace with it. What we don't make peace with is when our body is actually telling us what we need. Nobody else is doing it. It's not factored into anyone else's life. I need this thing that other people don't need. There's something wrong with me. I'm out of line. If we eliminate the shoulds and we listen to our bodies and listen to what they need, we complete the cycle. In other words, if you need to go to bed for the day, then you go to bed for the day and you feel it fully and you think of it restoratively and you give yourself the love and the tenderness that you need in order to regroup. If you spend that day in bed shoulding yourself, then you're not allowing yourself to rest. So all of the good that you're trying to do, that you're being called to do by your own natural instincts, is being undone. If you can allow yourself to give yourself what you need, and sometimes it's not just going to bed, but it may be solitude. It may be, I'm not ready to go hang out with my friends right now. Oh, but you really should. They're nice people, and they're going to not like you anymore if you don't go out with them. Relax. Do what you need to do. Anyone who loves you will understand that you're going through a thing, and they will be there for you on the other side. Let the cycles complete. And I also hear someone in my head right now saying, oh yeah, one day in bed. How about a week in bed? All right, I know what that's like. I still maintain that if you are honestly listening to your body, that very long period of hibernation will necessarily be reduced if you handle it the right way. In other words, if you handle it with love and tenderness instead of shame and frustration. If I get into bed because I'm tired and, and feeling low, and I say, there, there, my darling, you take whatever time you need. I have completed my cycle. I have given myself a non-judgmental period of recharging, rejuvenating. And then the other fear kicks in, right? Which is, what if this thing never ends? What if I just stay depressed? What if I just can't get out of bed and I just can't? If you are still giving yourself all the love and the attention and the care that you need and you're not shaming yourself or shooting on yourself, then you may need to seek outside assistance. And certainly, if it meets the criteria of major depressive disorder, please go see a mental health professional. But regardless, as you're going through this, be comfortable with the uncertainty. Be comfortable with the fact that you don't necessarily know if and when this depression will end, but neither do you need to judge it. Whatever it is that is bringing you down needs your attention. It may not even be the specifics of what is bringing you down, but something in your system has disengaged and needs attention and care and love, and you are the only person who can give that to yourself. Seeing the depression as something that is a guide to self-regulate you instead of being your depression and identifying with your depression. Finally, something that is always helpful when you are going through depression is to focus your attention on other people. It reminds us that we are all interconnected and that we all suffer in one way or another. 
And you do have a very important place on the earth. And part of that place on the earth is your connection with other human beings. So our dear Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers, said this, If you could only sense how important you are to the lives of those you meet, how important you can be to the people you may never even dream of, there is something of yourself that you leave at every meeting with another person. And we can also look again at the quote at the beginning of this podcast from Tenzin Gyatso, The more we care for the happiness of others, the greater is our own sense of well-being. Sometimes it is important to get out of your own way, get out of your own head, and just do something kind for someone else, anything kind, a kind word, a kind gesture, volunteering, donating, even just considering or meditating on the suffering of others and the release of that suffering. So I encourage you to take a look at your own life and where depression might show up, Perhaps think of it in this new way, as a guide toward self-regulation and well-being. Keep practicing your breath and keep practicing being in the present moment. Practice with that breathing and grounding exercise. Until next time, many blessings on your path. I'm Rachel Astarte. Thank you for joining me on Self Talk. Aho. Uh -huh.